Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Hey Juicy Lemoners, before we start the show, we wanted to remind you to follow and subscribe to us on whichever podcasting app you're listening to. And as always, enjoy the show. What the heck is Fox Eye Challenge? This week on Lemon, it's the new makeup trend that is taking over TikTok. But why has it unsettled every Asian person? And is it true or not, we must bust the myth of Asian anti-medical degrees. And later on the show, are you a guest person or an ask person? We break down what guesses and ask culture is. Each week, we dissect the conversation Asian millennials are having. So don't go anywhere because you're listening to Lemon. Hello and welcome to The Lemon Show. As always, my name is Philip Cooch. And I'm Thomas Tan. And oh, I always forget what we're meant to say next after this. <laughs> <laughs> but launching onto the show today, I want to ask you, what's the weirdest thing that your mom has ever stolen or pinched from anyone, anywhere? This was a really hard question. I mean, my mom doesn't steal generally, I think. <laughs> but she has stolen from me. And the thing that she's stolen from me a lot is my red packets growing up. What? So, as in like your family members would give you red pocket money and your mom would take it? As in like, she'd be like, do you want me to look after this money for you? You know, I'll keep it in a safe. I'll put it in a bank account. And then years growing up, I'm like, where's all my money gone? Oh my God. <laughs> You've been deprived of a childhood. <laughs> I have. But to be honest, like the pocket was probably like, it's going to add up to like a thousand bucks. But anyways, my mom's a single mom, so she probably needed it more than I did. But what about for you? Well, okay. Don't judge, but- I don't know, like, about you, but whenever my family goes to, like, a buffet, um, especially my mom, we like we always like to find the best valued buffet. So, um, anything that has seafood in, on the inclusion is, like, a tick for us. And I'm not a big seafood lover, but my family loves seafood. So. Oh, as in you want to get more of, of a value for your buck. More yeah. bang for your buck. Correct, yeah. Is that stealing, though? No, no, hold on. I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> I'll get there. Look. All right, cool. So, um... At the casino, Crown Casino, they used to have a really cool buffet-like menu and buffet service mm. where there used to be a seafood inclusion, like a lot of, you know, a lot of prawns and stuff like that. Like really expensive things that you can't get, like you can get, but like they're super expensive. Mm. And so, whenever we were, we are planning to go to a buffet, my parents, well, my mom, my mom would come with a plastic bag in her purse. <gasps> do, you oh know, my gosh, do you know where this where is going? This going? <laughs> so, I remember one, one year, this is when we were younger, um, um, we were staying, at, we were treating us, we were treating ourselves, just, and we stayed at the Crown Casino. And so we we're staying at the hotel. And we went to the buffet, and so my mum and her friends all bought plastic bags each, and they got the prawns and they scooped into their plastic bags, <laughs> tied it up, and then we went back into the hotel rooms after the buffet, right? And then they brought their own fish sauce from home, and we had we finished off the prawns in the hotel room. Oh my gosh! 
when you said there used to be a buffet, is it the reason why they don't do it anymore? Because someone sold all their prawns. Um, look, they probably got banned. <laughs> <laughs> no, when you said that, it actually triggered something. When we do go to like, oh, you can eat Korean buffets. You know how there's a lot of meat, right? Sometimes you can't finish the meat, and the other thing they're going to do, they're going to throw it away. So what me and my mum do is that sometimes if there's leftover meat, we put it in like serviettes because we get two bags <laughs> at home, and then like we put it in my mum's pouch and we make sure we wrap it a lot. And then when we go home, we just give it to my two dogs. Well, look, it's lockdown, and the police are all out. And about so like maybe we should be expecting a knock on our door soon <laughs> let's take a live look now outside ladies and gentlemen of america ariana grande licked and spit on the merchandise there can be a hundred people in the room <laughs> Let it be alone. catch me outside how about that rise and shine china 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 so I recently came across this post about guest and ask culture. And at first I was like, okay, what does this guest and ask culture mean? And I was reading into it. And so guest culture is kind of like, okay, let's go with ask culture. I think it's easy to explain ask culture first. But ask culture is basically how you're, you get taught by your parents or people around you to just ask for things. And, and like, you know, worst case scenario, someone will just say no. Whereas guest culture, on the other hand, you kind of get taught to, I guess, like suppress your questions and the things that you want people to do for you and only ask if you know the answer is going to be yes. Because I guess like getting no is, mm. I guess like it's like a bad thing, I guess. Um, so, it, so it got me thinking of like what types of person we were. And I initially thought that you were an ask person and that I was a guest person because you always say that I'm always inconsistent with my answers and stuff and like how I feel and stuff. And the reason why I think is, is because I'm like this is because I don't ask for things unless I know the answer is going to be yes. But you, for some reason, disagree. Mm, I disagree. I think I am a guest person and I think you are an ask person. And the reason why I say this is because with the characteristic traits of someone who is an ask person, they are more ballsy in terms of they what's the worst thing that could happen? Like if you ask something, you could just say no, like you said, but I think you're the type of person that you are very, you're a very spontaneous person. And by spontaneous, I mean that you tend to go and get things without knowing what's going to happen. So you don't really, like you do think about the consequences, but whether or not the consequences turn out bad or good, you still ask for things or ask people for help. Whereas for me, for myself, when I analyze and when I read the article, I am definitely more of a guest person because before I ask something, I have a lot of calculations in my head. I know the answer is going to be yes. And I don't go out and ask somebody unless I know it's going to be a yes. Even when it comes with my career as well, you always say, you know, you should go audition for this. Why don't you apply for that? I'm like, mm, I don't know. You know, I don't think it's going to turn out well. No, I want to get the product right. I want to make sure it's a hundred percent yes before I do something. I think it's different. That's I think that's ambition. I think ambition wise, yeah, I, I just go for things. But I think when it comes to like personal relationships with people, I think asking my friends for a favor or asking you for a favor, I find it more hard. I'm like doing math calculations in my head, and, like you know, are they going to say yes? You know, um, so really, like for example, when it comes to asking someone for a lift, how easy is that for you? Or is that pretty hard for you? I don't ask for lifts. I'd rather take an Uber. <laughs> Oh, like something like, that you do need. Like, so, like, 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 how many times have I asked you for a lift to anywhere? Um, a lot. You, you ask me for a lift all the time. No, like to, you know, to airports, to, you know, to you, wherever. This is different. We're so really do close. You think, you think that you're a you're a guest culture, but I think you're an ask thing. You <laughs> ask me to do things all the time for That's you. That's different. That's because I'm lazy. Where this is actually asking for favors. When it comes to like, let's say I'm struggling, right? When it comes to things I do need, it's very hard for me to ask somebody for help, even when I am drowning. Whereas for you, I I think it's a lot easier for you to ask somebody for help. 
maybe, I don't know. Look, let's agree to disagree, but <laughs> I do want to discuss other things, all right? So, the first thing I want to ask you is, do you think, I guess, like, Asian immigrant families, because most of us come from, like, very low socioeconomic status, do you think that has anything to do with um, us being raised in guest culture? Because I feel like guest culture is related to, I guess, like, you know, you feel like you're grateful, you just feel grateful for, for having what you have. And so, um, you shouldn't ask people to do things for you. Whereas I feel like ask culture is a very privileged thing. Like people who, who get taught to, to ask for things are people who, I guess, like come from families who, who, I don't know, where, how, where am I going with this? I can see where you're coming from, where it's not necessarily that with guest culture that you, you know, with ask culture that you're necessarily a bad person. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you have a more of a tendency, more balls to ask for something without knowing what the results would be. And with that, I can see two perspectives. It's someone who can be really inconsiderate without um, knowing what the other person is going to receive. Another thing is that when they do do this, they're more likely to be more successful because they're more of a risk taker. Whereas for guest, um, guest people or guest culture within Asian culture, it's more to see, more to say it's because it's peaceful. You don't want to disrupt um, anything. You don't want to trouble somebody else. You will feel bad for yourself by going, asking someone to go out of the way for you. And that's the way I perceive guest culture in Asian culture. So, uh, we said that, you know, we feel like a lot of Asian people belong in the guest culture, right? So, what happens when an Asian person asks, actually asks for a thing? How do you think they will be viewed? Good question. Now I think about it, it always comes across a little bit selfish or a little bit like me, 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 me. Like, it comes across in a very um, self-centered kind of way mm-hmm. because Asian culture is really giving. You give a lot of people a lot of food. You always want to give money away. Like your relatives say, hey, take money, take money, take a lot of food, make sure you eat. So when people ask for things, it does come across in a very weird way. Yeah. And, and like you said, Asian people are very like, giving people, you know, we always put other people ahead of us. So when we do have someone who actually asks us for a thing, or an Asian who actually asks us for a thing, they're definitely seen as um, selfish and self-centered. So, and the example I can think of this is, you know, the famous example of how Asian people like to fight over money, like you said. And so whenever we see other Asian people who make their parents pay for their lunch or like split bills with their parents at lunch and stuff, that is seen as like, whoa, <laughs> like, oh, don't get me started. When I, I drove a, like an hour and a half away from Melbourne C, um, city area and I was in this like really bogan white area and I saw a family, a family split bill. Like the dad wanted to split bill with his son and my heart was like, wow, wow. <laughs> so that's definitely the Asian in us. Like for us, we're always about you know, share over sharing and doing things for other people. And so when we see that stuff like that happen, but, in, but and in I'm the, sure and like, that's totally fine. I think it's fine to split money and stuff like 100%, that. Yeah. I just think we're not used to it. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, so let us know what you are. Like, are you team ask or team guess? It's a non-judgment zone. There's nothing wrong with being in either either camps, but have, head over to our Facebook page or, or Instagram page and let us know which team you belong in. be more let me coming up but first here's a few words from today's sponsors on to this next segment it got me thinking because my mom loves wechat like she has a wechat degree a whatsapp degree based on the information that her friends and her relatives pass on to her we did a funny segment the other day about about this how she had all the wechat um 
was it like the WeChat myths and, and, uh, and like, suggestions and that, coronavirus. from WeChat? Yeah, for coronavirus. <laughs> but what I did this week on this segment was that I looked into five myths or non-myths. Is that what they call it? Myths? Truth. You mean facts? <laughs> <laughs> myths or facts that Asian auntie mums will say or dads will say. So for the first one, have you heard of heaty and cold foods? Yes. <laughs> and can you tell me what you know about heaty and cold foods? Well, apparently if you have a cold, is it you're not meant to eat cold food or meant to eat hot food so it, does, so it doesn't like bring the temperature up, something like that? Is that how it works? Um. I don't know the proper like explanation behind Look, we're, this. We're not doctors. This is all we got from Google. So this make sure like, this is not even science, is it? Like this high tea. No, but no. But the thing is, I looked into the science behind it. So do you know how, like in Asian culture, we have like, those traditional Chinese medicine where it is, oh, if you're not feeling real, oh, don't eat too much heaty food, don't eat too much durian, don't eat too much chocolate because it's going to raise the temperature of your body. And the science behind that is because when you eat foods like that, what happens? It takes a lot more energy for your body to digest it, which creates you to be hot. So, food like, for example, mangoes, apples, um, oranges are considered to be like hot foods and excessive consumption of these food may lead to like, you know, irritation in the stomach. Um, Foods like, you know, onion, garlic, root vegetables, they say these are insanely hot, which is why a lot of people tend to make soup out of them for the winter to keep you nice and warm. And I looked into... Um, cold foods as well, because foods like, for example, sugarcane, you know, chrysanthemum tea, soya sauce, actually, sesame oil, some um, meat, dairy and seafood products, they have more of a cold food benefit, which means that... So, people say that, you know, you should eat more of these foods like during the summer when it's really hot to kind of cool your body down. So, so there's actually science behind it. There is science it, behind it. It's this. about how, how well your food... Uh, breaks down in your body. Is that basically it? Um, I think there's a lot more to it as well. I, I don't know. Like this is these are just articles that I took from the internet that I'd read down, and just a lot of them tend to agree with each other. Okay. The next one actually has to do with hair. So, has your mom ever told you do not sleep with your hair wet? Yes, and I still believe this. Oh, you still believe it? Why do you believe so, it? So apparently, don't sleep with your hair wet because you'll get a headache and that you'll get sick if you sleep with your hair wet. Well, that myth is busted because that is actually a true myth. That's not a fact at all. So, so wait, so it's a true, so you mean it's, it's an fake. actual myth? It's fake news. Okay. It's actual myth, yeah. So, it's not f- true fact. <laughs> it's not a true Okay, fact. that was confusing. <laughs> true myth. It's, it's, a, it's a true myth. Mm. So, with viruses or having a cold like that, that is actually viral, viral based. So, in order to get sick, to get a cold, you have to actually have that bacteria in your body to make you sick. But with having wet, damp hair, that cannot cause you to get a cold. So, that myth is busted. However, having wet hair can actually increase the risk of fungal infection because the environment is actually, damp. it's nice and damp. A lot of bacteria and not bacteria, a lot of fungal things can grow. So, things like um, dermatitis, dandruff, and which is why they recommend to always blow dry your hair before you sleep. And another reason why it's good to have dry hair when you sleep is because when your hair is wet, did you know that your hair is actually weaker? What? Your hair, like your hair is weaker. Oh, cause if it's wet. If it's wet. Well, that's why it's soft, isn't it? I guess. <laughs> I <thought laughs> Look, I'm not a scientist. I'm just guessing here. <laughs> but in, like, but coming back to the topic, they say that if it's wet, that's why you can't. That you shouldn't comb your hair because you can actually just pull pull out like break it. So they say dry your hair before you sleep prevents a lot of fungal infections. Also, if you can sleep with a silk pillow, so it prevents a lot of friction. 
Oh, okay. Interesting. Because I, I honestly, I still believe that. You believe so, it? It's I not true. I never sleep with my hair wet because I'm scared of getting sick. Oh, my mom would say that if you sleep with your hair wet, or if your hair's off the bed, a ghost will come and touch it. Oh my gosh. And play with it. <laughs> your mom's next level. And then what? You wake up with like a full night cornrows in your hair. <laughs> your mom's next level. Your mom watches too much horror movies. She does. <laughs> Last one is, have you heard of Ajimoto or our famous, we call it MSG? Yes, MSG I've heard of. Apparently, MSG is really bad. Really bad. causes cancer. You know, if you eat too much MSG, your hair's going to fall out. That's what my mum would always say to me when I grew up. But the science behind MSG, that it's actually not as bad as you think. I have a question. Do you, what does MSG even sound like, taste like? Because I MSG feel like- salt. No, but I feel like MSG has got such a bad rap for us growing up, right? So, they never really put it in our food growing up. So, I actually- like don't, honestly don't know what it tastes like does it even have a taste yeah it's in everything that we like you know maggie noodles that's msg it's oh, like it's yeah. not salt it's a type of salt it's like a flavorful salt mm. so with msg it's actually they say it's 30 percent healthier than regular salt because you actually don't consume a lot more salt it's just a lot of flavoring and so the reason why that a lot of people think that ajimoto or msg is bad for you because in the 1960s they actually injected rats with MSG and the rats got brain cancer. Obviously, if you reject with a huge amount. So, ever since then, when that study came out, everybody believed that MSG or Ajimoto was really bad for you. Hold on. This is not an Asian auntie myth. It is. This is a white lady myth. Not Because... I thought Asians love MSG. A- Asians add anyth- everything to MSG. Yeah, but if you ask a person what is Ajimoto, they have no idea what Ajimoto is. Yeah, but we know what MSG is. We like apparently don't all Asians add a lot of MSG to their food. Of course. So which is when you're like, what does MSG taste? I'm like, uh No, I'm just saying it- like like this this like people are scared of MSG because of like of what white people have said about MSG. MSG because it is salt. The dangers of it is because it, if you have high blood pressure or heart an issue, you shouldn't consume consume too much salt because it just kind of raises your heart rate and it, it, your body trying to flush it out. So when it comes to salt, it it does have a bad rep, but it's not as bad as people think. Well, I do have one that I thought of mm-hmm. that. I'm, I half believe it's true, but I know it's not true. Um, it's I remember back when I was younger, I used to whistle in the house. <gasps> and my mom used, used to always say, don't whistle in the house or the snakes will come. What snakes? Yeah. What the heck? You're, 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 you're going to be calling the snakes. You'll be a, a snake whistle, whistle, whistler. Like a snake charmer. Yeah. My and mom says that if you whistle at night, ghosts are going to come. So what's true? Which is it? Look, the, <laughs> honestly, they're saying that because they don't want us to whistle, right? I don't know. <laughs> Look, I, I believed when I was younger, so I used to never whistle in the house. So it worked, I guess. Oh, well, now I'm growing up, I, I, I just don't whistle because I'm a bit scared, to be honest. <laughs> You may or may not have heard, but I think we've got about four weeks left of TikTok before America bans it. And um, we're going to lose lots of great content because lots of great content comes from America and American content creators. Oh no, but how are we going to dance and post it online? What are we going to do? We got... I don't know. <laughs> we're screwed. But um, there's a new makeup challenge that's kind of going viral on TikTok at the moment. And it's called the Fox Eye Challenge. And... A lot of people are very upset with this challenge because people I feel feel like it's racist against Asian people. And Tom, you have I think you have the definition of a fox eye. I think I think I have a fox eye as well, like very slanty eyes. I guess like no eyelids. Is that what it is? Mm. How would you explain? It's like an almond shaped like eye. 
I don't know. Your eyes just look. <laughs> what? I don't know what your eyes look like. We're looking very deeply into each other's eyes. I know that my my eye is more of like a an Asian foxy, where yours is a lot more rounder. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, look, the the trend is happening is because I think people have said um, it's like the Megan Fox eyes. Like, you know, she's very like piercing um shaped eyes mm. taylor swift has it as, as well bella hadid has it carly mm. jen kendall jenner carly jenner has it as well kendall has it kendall has it so a lot of makeup gurus are kind of i guess like recreating that that look at the moment has become kind of trendy um and a lot of asian people are particularly offended because i guess like all of us can relate how how you know we've been teased about how small our eyes are, and so for for this to become a trend, a lot of people are questioning whether this is racist or not. And Tom, I want to know what you think. Do you think this is racist, or do you think it's an acceptable trend to be to accept? I don't think it's racist. I think it's more of problematic in a way that growing up, we were teased for our eyes so much like because our eyes are tiny, they're so small. People are like, can you even see? Like, what's what do you see? How, like the vision of your eyes. And even we have so many cartoons like Family Oh my God, I'm already funny. <laughs> what? I remember someone asked me when I was younger, because I have like, um, I think now as I've grown o- older, I have kind of like double eyelids, but my eyes are pretty small still. Mm. Um, but I remember like one girl asked me in, in primary school, she was like, hey, Phil, um, if you have small eyes, do you see things smaller? <laughs> <laughs> like less pixels. So, like, or everything is like does everything, does everything look smaller? Like, does that lamp look smaller to you? <laughs> Well, so you, the bigger your eyes, it magnifies it. Yeah. <laughs> and what did she say to her? I was just like, no. I see things exactly the way that you see things. Oh, my god! And even if they were small, how would I know, like, if they're actually smaller? Like, this is just what I've been seeing this my whole life. So, mm. um, but what were you trying to say? Um, I can't remember. Oh, but you actually triggered another story, too. I remember back in, I think it was like year seven or year eight, there was this Caucasian white girl. And she actually lived in China because her dad was working there for a couple of years. And she naturally has really small eyes, this white girl. So, when she came from China to uh, back to Australia... People would tease her, a white girl, and say, your eyes are so small because you lived in China for so long. Oh and being in the same year level as her, like me and my friends here, like, oh my gosh, that's actually really mean. So, growing up with a lot of these things, um, with, you know, the media, cartoons, lots of things that we're absorbing when we're younger, telling us your eyes are ugly because they're small, you know, it makes you feel shit about your eyes. And now that this new TikTok trend, having more of a foxy kind of slanty eyes or when models pull, like, you know, they pull that cheekbone back because mm. they want that yep. look. Mm-hmm. It is problematic in a way to a sense that you said shit about your eyes. Now our eyes are trendy. So now our eyes is a fashion statement. So exactly the same thing when it came to, you know, black people's hair, you know, or, you know, having big Afro hair is ugly. It's not professional, but yet with, um, commercializing it for their own benefit. That's the problem I have. Because if you think about it, like, tell us with having her eyes that she has, that's not racist. Mm. She was born with those kind of less big eyes. And I know that a lot of people used to tease her eyes and her ass as well. Like, oh my gosh, she doesn't have a, a big ass. Oh my gosh, she's actually got tiny eyes and her chest is really small. But now, like, it depends on the trends that you do have. Or like, for example, Angela Jones, people would tease her big lips. And then as soon as people big lips became a thing, people would glorify it. You're right. I don't think it's racist. And no one is, is saying, by the way, that Taylor Swift is being racist because she, has, she was born with fox eyes. <laughs> but 
the, I think the problem here is that, you know, as Asian people, you know, we get teased all the time, like you said, about how having small eyes and now suddenly now that it's now that it's like a beauty trend, now everyone is doing it. It's kind of like reminding us of our childhoods and like how we used to be bullied for the way we look. Mm. And now like what? The, the, the same people who have, you know, have teased about this are the people who are <laughs> saying that, oh, wow, look at this. This is a new beauty trend. Everyone do this now. And, and it's all over TikTok now. And I think that is the problem here. Mm, and I think the issue, it's, it stems way further than Asian people. Like if you take a look at, um, besides black people's hair, their cheekbones, you know, they, they have bigger hips. Uh, I think I talked about this in another podcast, they have bigger cheekbones, um, more accentuated lips, more juicier lips, and their thighs are a lot more thicker than the most of people. But if you take these um, aspects from these people, you want their dark skin, you want the Asian eyes, and you put it yeah, into- You pick that. and choose. They pick and choose, yeah. exactly. So then for people who are born with these characteristic physical that you can't really change much about- it makes them feel quite hurt. Oh my gosh, I actually have a story about, oh, I have a friend back in high school days and she has, she was born with fox eyes, right? And she has a bit of um, what we call a resting bitch face. So back in high school days, because she had a resting bitch and her very foxy eyes, there was this white girl who would tell the teacher, this girl is being so mean to me. She always looks at me so meanly. And then what happened was the counselor of the school pulled my friend and another friend into the same room with her and they were like, what's going on? Why being so mean to her? And then literally the girl was like, you look at me so meanly, you know, you, you're so mean to me because of the way you look at me. And then my friend was like, what do you mean? This is just my face. <laughs> and then a year later, she got double eyelid surgery. Oh my gosh. And see, this is the thing though. Like, this is why it's problematic because a lot of Asian people have always been very insecure about their eyes. Like, I remember I used to feel very insecure about my eyes growing up. I know heaps of family members who have gotten eyelid surgery because of the way that they were teased when they were young and it's made them, like, you know, insecure. And I feel like this is just a kick in the gut for them. Like, what now they have finally I guess like now they've gotten that surgery and their eyes are like westernized now what their previous eyes are like trendy now like what the heck mm, and it actually stems more than this it's it comes to do with our parents too I knew that parents would pinch their child's noses their cartilage growing to make sure their nose is taller because them growing up too not just with us our parents we were told bigger eyes is better so then I have these friends who are growing up too that their parents will put dig their fingernails into their child's eye to create that crease, you know? And then now that's inbuilt in us, nothing that we do or achieve is going to be good enough within their Western culture. Mm, and I was reading in a in the Korean Herald, which is a news website, and they were doing, I guess, like a literature review or like a research about how how Asian people who have smaller or fox eyes were used to be seen as less trustworthy. <gasps> and they were seen more trustworthy after they got their westernized eyes. Really? So, it's just, it's just a kick in the gut to see... You know, you know, a lot of us Asian people who have conformed to the westernized norms, now, now suddenly what we used to be treated like shit for is suddenly normalized and like trendy and like, you know, it's just like, yeah, kicking the gut, I feel like. This is probably why we're more of a guest culture because people are so mean to us. What the heck? I think the, um, there's this great article about you know, this fox eye challenge on Next Shark. And the writer, Leanne Chan, she, I think she summarized it perfectly. She wrote, 
These makeup artists can wipe off their eyes at, at, at the end of the day, but you can't. They are a part of you. And uh, it's one of those things that it's like, what is deemed great in high fashion? Like, it's it comes down back to commercializing a lot of p- the beauty things that you can't change about yourself. Let's say that Fox eyes aren't a trend anymore. You can't wipe that off your face, but these people who are creating these trends, they're going to jump into something new. They're going to be like, Oh my gosh, you know, having wider big ears is amazing. Having and then smaller nose is going to probably trending next. I reckon having smaller nose, yeah, like low bridge nose, like how most Asian <laughs> oh, people I do. Wish. <laughs> I wish. Oh my gosh. If anything was a trend, can TikTokers please make having a low nose bridge a thing? Because that would be great for us. <laughs> it would be great for us. Well, we want to know what you guys think how do you feel about this fox eye challenge hopefully if it does continue to be a trend it gets wiped off when tiktok is banned in america in four weeks time so that asian people don't have to endure in this torture anymore i mean that's probably one of the good uh, benefit of tiktok being gone yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's all we have time for today thank you so much for joining us this week and as always if you'd like to show please go to and leave us a review on apple podcast we love reading them Um, And if you are listening to us on Spotify or any other podcasting app, make sure you hit the follow and subscribe button. It helps us to get seen and more Asian people to get seen. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye.